Hey everyone, it's Hamish from the Young Investors Podcast. Myself and Brandon are excited to bring you your weekly rundown of the latest business and investing news from around the world. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Young Investor Podcast. Ta-da. Hamish, you feeling a little bit better? You were a little bit sick last week. It actually yep. worked out so well yeah. um, because as you guys would have seen, um, I ended up talking with Guy Spear last week. So that was probably going to be this week's podcast, but I just yeah. flipped it around and we just released it last week. Why not? Are you feeling a bit better? Yeah, yeah I'm feeling better. It was just like a kind of a one nice. day, two day kind of thing. But yeah, it was actually uh, kind of okay, funny good. that that worked out. Fairly well, actually. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet, so um, I should uh, I should have listened to it. How did it go? Was it good? What did, what did you guys? Yeah, talk it was about? really good. Guy is just such a nice guy. Like it happened yeah. again, um, where we ended up talking for an hour before we even press record. He's just so <laughs> interesting to talk yeah. to, and um, uh, you know, talking about business and YouTube and all sorts of stuff. Um, what he's up to. Um, yeah, so we just we just I don't know we just get along really well. We had a great conversation um, before we even started recording the podcast, and then yeah, we pressed record and had a really good chat about um, kind of how to invest um, with the current environment, with you know inflation, interest rates, and how he's going about his investing, looking forward to next year and that kind of thing. And also spoke about the uh, the the lunch with Warren Buffett that he had with Monish back in back in the day. So yeah, it was a really good chat. Um, if you guys missed it for whatever reason, definitely um, head over to probably head over to YouTube or I guess Spotify mm. has the video as well. Um, yes, and uh, and watch that one back because uh, very he's very insightful. He's got some great uh, tidbits of knowledge that he sprinkles through that that podcast. Mm. Yeah. Hey, can I tell you about my awesome experience with the Wall Street Journal that I had uh, yesterday? I um, <laughs> the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah so here we go. I finally caved. I needed uh, I needed a couple of paywalled articles for some stuff that I was putting together. So I I yeah. finally caved and I subscribed. And it wasn't actually that expensive in the end of the day. Like you can get like a bundle with like this sounds like an ad now, but it's, it's not going to be an ad. You'll see what I'm going to talk about. But um, you can get like a bundle <laughs> with uh, a couple of different of their sites, and it's actually kind of reasonable. So I signed up, and it's an annual subscription or like a monthly subscription or whatever. And I was like, yeah. you know what? I'll sign up. I'll get the annual plan so it's cheap month by month. And then I'll just right. I'll just go into my account and cancel it so I don't forget about it. Um, so I signed yep. up, go into my account. This is what I do with everything. Like I, if I buy something for a year, I go and immediately cancel it because then I can always yep. just do it. Go into the yep. account. I'm looking for the cancel button. Where's the cancel button? That's weird. Like where is it? It's this tiny little paragraph in the bottom corner that says, call this number during business hours <laughs> to cancel. To cancel. I yeah. thought they made that illegal. I, I thought they couldn't do that anymore. That's crazy. I have no idea. But- that is crazy that y- there isn't a button. They, that they're not forced mm. to have a button there, that they can make you get on a phone call that I probably have to pay for. It's an international call. Anyway, mm. that's my, my uh, funny experience. It's crazy. I've been in the exact same situation with the Wall Street Journal as well because mm. I had I had needed a couple articles or behind a paywall for a video, so I did the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, was crazy. I had the exact same experience. I could not cancel through the website itself. I, too, had to call them up. And actually say I would like to cancel, and then after I went through that, did did you get the same 
cancellation sales pitch. I, I haven't done just it like, yet. I haven't done it yet. Oh, you haven't so, done it yet. Yeah. You'll you'll get you'll get on the call with them, and then as they're talking to you, yeah. they'll they'll be like trying to upsell you somehow. <laughs> yeah. They'll be like, "Are you sure you want to cancel?" Well, I tell you what, I can understand you. You don't want to stay with us, but we can give you this exclusive offer. So it'll be one dollar. It'll be something dumb like one dollar for three months, and then after that, it'll revert to normal <laughs> pricing. Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, we'd love to have that. They're going to pressure you so hard, man. <laughs> it'll a- be interesting. Yeah, I want to hear what you say, what what they tell you, um, yeah, it, how your experience is trying to cancel because mine was horrendous. That's so funny. Yeah, there's a there's a full episode of um, BoJack Horseman where he's the whole episode he's just trying to cancel this paper delivery that he gets daily, <laughs> and it's just so good. It's like, oh, let me just connect you through to my boss, and it just goes through all of these levels, and then they're solving all these all these like personal problems, like they're just doing everything yeah. in their power to try and keep him on the subscription, yeah. and it is so good. It's a great episode. That's so funny. Yeah. Actually, I went to um, when I was holidaying in Fiji um they they um were offering like a free whole like one day trip to one of the nice islands or something like that mm. and um all you had to do is come to a presentation um at a hotel and sure enough it was a timeshare pitch <laughs> yeah. but we're like that's okay like I'm, I'm pretty pretty solid I can you know I can say no to things and not feel so bad about it anyway we went to this timeshare pitch and um the amount of le- like the pressure, the insane pressure that they pile on you to try and sign this timeshare thing. Yeah. Like at one stage, the lady I was talking to, because these are all like Fijian locals that yeah. have been employed by um, by this timeshare company. <clears throat> and I was talking to this lady and she realized that I wasn't going to sign up, mm. but she's got her boss and her boss's boss and they, they're all expecting. She's like, hey, look is there any chance you could at least say that you're close to signing up and then I'll get you to talk to my boss and then you can say no, the final decision to my boss because otherwise I'm going to get in trouble because I'm not signing up. I was like, oh my God, That's this crazy. is getting insane. <laughs> anyway, because yeah. I don't know, like she could have just been trolling me. She probably was because she's probably a salesperson. Was. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? Some of these people over in Fiji have a rough time of it. They're not they're not the richest people in the world. Yeah. They're just trying to make ends meet. So I was like, yeah, okay, t- tell me I'm close. Tell tell your boss that I'm close, but I'm just considering it. And then I'll go mm. talk to him. And then I went to the next level up, and he was like, look, he brings out the piece of paper. <laughs> what if we did this? No, no membership fee, no sign up fee. It just kept escalating. <laughs> like, what if we did this and we discounted yeah. this? Let me talk to my boss. And the next boss comes in. It's like, ugh. oh, yeah, it's really bad. Horrific. Sales like that is just so, it's just so horrendous. Like there's got to be a point, like, I don't know, for me, it's like, there's just a point where you've just got to give it up. Whereas like some people, for some reason, their sales tactics just go on way too long. Like, and even if you yeah. sold the person after that, like, how do you do that with like a conscience? Like, <laughs> like, you, yeah, I know. like they went from like, absolutely no, to you've like tricked them basically at deciding up. Like, how could you even do yeah. that? Like, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 very true. Yeah, I definitely think there needs to be. Well, maybe there are in Australia. I maybe that's are. why I was exposed to this, like overseas. Yeah. Um, but maybe there are some more lax laws about high pressure sales tactics. I think. Yeah, I think that's um, probably the case. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, that's an interesting little yarn to get to get the podcast going. What are we talking about today, Hamish? What have you got for me? Yeah, so uh, we've got a couple more IPO updates. We A couple of weeks ago, Ooh. we spoke about Instacart and there's some updates around Instacart's IPO and a new IPO. It is, It surely is um, IPO season at the moment. They're all, they're all coming out. Um, they're coming back. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, got some updates around AMC 
our um, our favorite stock on this uh, on this podcast, uh, favorite meme stock on this yep. podcast, and uh, biggest gotta, position in my portfolio it, should be said. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. And uh, <laughs> then I've also got some uh, central bank and economic news updates that I've kind of pushed together into one story uh, from around the world. And uh, what have you got? Ah. Uh. Um, I'm talking about Mr. Howard Schultz, um, the former CEO of Starbucks. Um, There's a new Elon Musk biography out. And also Apple, they held their Wonderlust event. It's all very exciting. Mm. Let me, oh my gosh, I can't (laughs) wait to tell you about the Wonderlust event. Um, I shouldn't give away, I shouldn't give away the... The, the the theme of the the news story before I've actually said it, but it was boring. Um, it was it was boring. But anyway, we'll talk about some boring stuff on the good old Young Investors podcast. <laughs> With that hey, said, does that just get you so excited for today's yeah. episode, everybody? Wow, come on, you gotta you gotta sell it. Come on, at least like okay, you don't yeah, have to go no. high pressure sales, but at least sell the stories a little bit. All right, okay. Give people. I'm a sorry. I know that listen. you're considering. I know that you're thinking about clicking off of this podcast right now, but just let me go and get my boss yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. All right. Oh, well, uh, today's right, with that it. said, today's episode is brought to you by Seeking Alpha, your one-stop shop for stock analysis, market data, and news. Access expert analysis and news for thousands of stocks. View buy, hold, and sell ratings from members, Wall Street analysts, and Seeking Alpha's own algorithm. Uh, screen for stocks using a variety of fundamental and technical analysis metrics. Access 10 years of financial data and company filings. And manage your portfolio uh, by tracking your investments with price alerts so you never miss a buying opportunity again. Click the link in the episode description or head directly to seekingalpha.me forward slash young investors to try Seeking Alpha free for 14 days. Uh, and as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, for the next few weeks, uh, there is also a special deal for our audience. If you use that link, you'll get a $50 coupon um, off, uh, off your annual subscription. So go, go check it out. Uh, I also don't know how long that coupon is going to last for. I actually really don't know. I should probably check that, but, um, yeah, if you want to jump on that, um, yeah, do it now. Um, I've, I've got my boss here. Um, JJ jump, jump in, mate. Um, essentially, look, I was trying to sell the listeners that they need to, um, they need to, they need to be excited about this podcast. They're really on the fence. They're considering. Um, they're considering switching away. They're considering uh, not listening this week. Um, I was just wondering, can can you like? What I mean, what do you say to that? I, I really need them to stick around. Look, I'll be honest. You guys can like skip out if you want, but me hey, personally, hey, hey, I hey. think I would. It's not really the wisest idea if you want to miss out on what's going on here. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, wouldn't advise it, but. It's your choice, really. Oh, okay. Wow. I was expecting higher pressure. We're talking about timeshares before and how it's just like when they're on the fence about leaving, it always goes up to the next level and like goes to the boss and then it goes to the boss's boss and you just get caught in this funnel. But let me get my boss clawed first. I think <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have each of the boys uh, come over during the podcast. Thanks, that's JJ. Good. That's really good. <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, dear. Right. That's JJ, everybody. JJ's um, one of our editors over here. Mm. Um, he's working on the next YouTube video at the moment, which will hopefully be out um, the day after this podcast goes out. Mm. We'll see. Very exciting. All righty. <laughs> that's it. Where should we? Um, well, let, let's start with this IPO news because this is a, this is a bit yeah, of a this is a bit of a follow up from not um, last week, but uh, the week before the, the last time we did a a normal episode. Um, so last week we spoke about uh, Instacart. Um, I won't go 
kind of too much over that, but um, it was basically kind of the first significant venture capital backed uh, IPO since December of 2021. So it's a pretty big deal, a pretty significant um, uh, uh, a company that has historically had a pretty big private valuation, which I'll kind of talk about in a second. Um, but essentially last week we just spoke about how uh, they were set to IPO sometime in September which is, of course, uh, the month that we're in right now. Um, we now mm-hmm. know this week that they're expecting to start trading next week. So, um, Ooh, okay. we'll, again, we don't have a specific date, but it's expected that they'll start um, next week. And we also now know the price that they're projecting it will go public at, um, which was uh, a little bit of what we were talking about last week, because last week we were kind of... Uh, uh, kind of laughing at uh, the declining valuation or the, the, the declining private valuation that Instacart- Take another 50% off. Has, has gone through. <laughs> so to give a bit of a history on that again, uh, in 2021, during the hype, the, 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 the peak of the private equity hype and the meme stock hysteria, uh, it was privately valued at $39 billion. Um, so that was kind of the, 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 the peak of its valuation. Then in March of 2022, that was slashed to 24 billion. So investors weren't so as, uh, as excited. They're still pretty excited. Uh, yeah. then towards the end of 2022, it got slashed another 50% to 12 billion. So, you know, it's, it's starting to come down. Um, so of course it's kind of, uh, interesting to see, well, where's it actually going to go public? Um, not too long ago, $40 billion valuation. Well, uh, the stock price uh, that they're a- uh, expecting or aiming the stock to, to launch at is between $26 and $28 per share, uh, which would value the entire company uh, at the middle point at uh, $7.4 billion. So oh, another wow. 40%-ish off yeah. the private valuation from late last year, so almost a year ago. Um, wow. Which is kind of crazy. Like, uh, Isn't that insane how... It, that mm. that is kind of a really nice picture of uh, how far that the private equity market for these kinds of techie unprofitable well they're profitable but these kinds of uh, new hyper growth companies yeah. and and how much it's shifted from 2021 40 billion dollar valuation to now it's looking like hopefully 7.4 but again we don't really know I mean we've seen a lot of IPOs in the last year or so go public and then drop 50 percent or drop 80 percent over the following year so you know who knows. Mm where it'll end up going and, and maybe we can yeah if it goes public next week we can we can talk about it then as well but it's a it's a good lesson like for us i would say fairly grounded value investors um to just look at you know what what different market conditions can do like yeah you know we had 2020 2021 where it was just like the ultimate hype train stock market bull run crazy everybody's just throwing money at everything just insane and then you get times like these where you know growth stocks are struggling um people investors are getting more money just for holding bonds because interest rates are higher and it makes stocks generally look a little bit more of a risky place to be um, especially because businesses have to battle with the high interest rate it's just so interesting it just real looking at things like this always reminds me how drastically market conditions change yeah i mean it was only a few like a few years ago when we were running you know talking about various companies and and we were doing discounted cash flow um uh, uh, valuations and all of a sudden uh every single company just looked wildly overvalued and we were just doing valuation after valuation and being just like we can't find any company at any sort of reasonable price yeah 
And it seemed like that was it, you know, we we're never going to get, but it's crazy just like a few years later, how much that can swing the other way. So I think the yeah. lesson that I take out of it anyway, is that I know that we're talking about IPOs and, you know, I don't really look at new companies, IPOs or anything like that, but Mr. Market, that, that is a, that analogy holds up. Like oh, yeah. Things can change very, very drastically. Yeah. Uh, not saying that this is like undervalued or not making any sort of yeah. call on the, on the Instacart IPO, um, but yeah, it does show you how drastically things can change, man. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's like it's why I kind of like reading these stories and, and following it because it, it does really let you, you know, you don't have to read these stories and get sucked into these IPOs. You can just read them and kind of observe mm. what's happened and go, wow, okay. I, I read about this, you know, a year ago and it was a completely different valuation. Just so you have a bit of a, like you said, a bit of a better understanding of how quickly things can, can shift, especially in the speculative part of the market. You often hear about it when it's all hyped. Um, and you feel like you're missing out, you have FOMO, um, but then maybe you don't hear about it when inevitably that speculative stock goes down 90% and everyone's kind of quiet about the fact that they lost Mm. money on it. Um, So I think it's good to kind of uh, review these things. Another example that just comes to the front of my mind, sorry to derail you a bit there, is uh, we're talking about this uh, kind of speculative IPO and of course that's going to bounce around because it's speculative and I know for all intents, it's not pre-revenue or pre-profit, but it's like a very small business in Mm. its hyper growth mode. But you can even like apply the same thinking to a big company like Meta like Meta, I can't remember, was it Steve Eisman, I think, was talking about this. Like Meta went from um, in 2021 in September, it was $378 a share, right? And then in November 2022, it was $90 a share. And now it's $300 a share. So it's gone, (laughs) what, down, down, what, 76%. And then it's gone up 236%. Yeah. And it's. And really, like, I know that people have been arguing meta back and forth, metaverse stuff, they're burning cash. But has meta actually been. Has, has the business itself changed that much yeah. over that time? I would argue no. Yeah. I would argue it's always been an advertising business and it still is an advertising business. Yeah. It's what, crazy to see the changes. It's a perfect example of two clashing uh, kind of theses of like where the company will go. One kind of dominated in 2021 and then, or or 2022. And now that's kind of found to be maybe less true. And and another one is dominating. Um, And Mm. it just shows you that there's even room to do value investing, even in these large companies, Um, potentially, potentially you could have been on one of those sides. There was evidence for, for it to, you know, still be a really strong company. And maybe you would have invested when it was cheaper, but clearly there's no consensus on, where meta platforms should be valued. If you look at like the last two years of, you know, valuation, like you said, the company hasn't changed that much in the last couple of years, but the stock price has moved Mm. a lot, which means there's a huge wide array of uh, potential, you know, uh, opinions on on where the company should be. Um, So it is Mm. exciting if you're a value investor because uh, you don't see that very often. So you can go a while and and think, you know, what am I doing this for? You know, why why am I waiting for things to get appropriately priced? Mm. Yeah, exactly right. All right, sorry. Back to the IPO. News. Back to IPO. So that was that was uh, just the follow up from uh, from from the uh, Instacart IPO that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Um, we also have a new IPO, um, which, admittedly, the company's not as exciting as as uh, as a as a grocery delivery company. It's a little bit more kind of in our face, but uh, it is a, an interesting company and it does have some interesting characteristics. So UK, it's a UK based uh, chip designer, a firm called 
ARM, A-R-M, uh, and it's getting ready to go public pretty soon. Again, we don't have a specific date, but um, they're kind of uh, getting all the paperwork ready for that. Uh, and it's essentially a company that supplies a lot of the core tech to companies like Apple and NVIDIA. So um, oh, they're, okay. they're, a, they're a chip kind of uh, designer that's kind of like a stage before chip makers like NVIDIA who, who kind of actually build chips. And NVIDIA does their own designing as well, but um, they're kind of mm-hmm. uh, one of the companies or side companies, I guess, in, in that uh, ecosystem. Uh, right. Okay. And it's currently 100% owned by SoftBank, uh, which is, of course, kind of this the massive Japanese investment firm that um, has a history of buying and investing in um, kind of newer um, companies, especially tech-related companies. Uh, they're going to be listing about 95.5 uh, million shares on the Nasdaq, uh, which is about 10% of the shares. So uh, SoftBank oh, okay. will actually still be retaining. 90% controlling interest in the company. So even though they're going public, most of the shares um, will not be publicly traded again, I, I, I guess. Um, so of course, at any point, once they go public, SoftBank can trade those that 90% of shares however they want. They're public shares just like all the other shares, but um, it looks like they want to retain um, quite a considerable kind of control of the company. Yeah, interesting. I'm wondering what the decision-making process is to just to list 10% of the shares. So maybe to see if the valuation... Ding, 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 yeah, goes, uh, that, that could definitely be the case. Um, it, you know, potentially see how the market reacts to the IPO before they decide potentially to sell even more shares um, in the market and whether they... Yeah, right, like whether they get enough kind of capital, whether it's worth it for them um, because they are a really big company. So if they do want to direct capital towards this specific company, SoftBank could just do it internally, they could I would do imagine. It. So it's kind of a, I guess they've got that kind of trade-off. Do they get money from the public or do they fund it kind of themselves, which is the better deal? Um, yeah. But in yeah. terms of their valuation, it looks like they're hoping to get a fair bit out of the company. So the, the initial price is expected to be $51 per share, which gives the company a valuation of $54 billion. So again, it is a massive IPO. Um, and the question, of course, always after you hear that is, well, how much money do they make? <laughs> do they do they make money mm. to support um, you know, that, that large valuation? Uh, well, the company made uh, about $500 million in profit in financial year 2023. Uh, so it has a price to earnings multiple uh, yep. more than 100. Um, I see the strat now. Which, I can uh, see what's happening. Yeah, I think they're trying to. I think they've seen exactly what's happened to Nvidia, and they go, "That could happen to us." Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's right. exactly what's happened. Yep. yep. Especially because this is a company that actually uh, is a client. Uh, one of their clients is Nvidia. Yeah. So that they're very yeah. closely linked, uh, and even from a speculative basis, you could make the argument that they'll they'll receive some some splash of Nvidia's uh, <laughs> Nvidia's success. Um, yep. And it's I think interesting. That's exactly what's going on. Sorry, I, I, yep. I think that is. Oh yeah, that's that's exactly the conclusion that the article I read um, kind of uh, came to as well. Um, and it is interesting because they're a hundred times earnings, um, which is actually a pretty similar valuation to Nvidia at the moment, but without the growth. Um, you know, Nvidia. Oh. We've spoken about how <laughs> Nvidia has this enormous valuation, but they also have been posting some crazy numbers. Um, they're projecting a hundred and seventy percent revenue growth next quarter, quarter of quarter. So. Um, wow. NVIDIA is growing, uh, whereas this company, Arm, uh, actually had no revenue growth for the whole year uh, in the last 12 months. Mm. Uh, they actually d- 
declined revenue by 1%. Um, so they are certainly richly valued just for, from some you know outside numbers. Of course, at the end of the day, you'd have to kind of go into the numbers and see, can they grow? And that's really where uh, the the you'll, you'll you'll figure out the valuation, but yeah, I, I think it's it's certainly a case of them trying to ride on the coattails of um, of the AI hype led by uh, Nvidia. Yeah, interesting. Um, anything else to kind of talk about with ARM? No, um, that's it. That's that's IPO. That's IPO corner. We need that's a, we, we, we do an IPO. IPO. <laughs> a little jingle. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. All right. Do you want to spend a lot of money? Dun, 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 dun. And lose There's it There's a new IPO in town. <laughs> da, 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 da. They're pre-revenue, pre-profit, pre-everything. Da, da, dun, dun, dun. But you're going to pay through your teeth. Da, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, All right. Um where do you want to go from here? Where should we go from here? Let's talk about this Apple Wanderlust event. Mm. What happened? I was Let me so guess. excited for this. Let me guess. They released yes. some devices and they were Correct. very, very similar to the devices that they released 12 months ago. See, I don't know why I tricked myself into believing that it's going to be different this year. <laughs> <laughs> Apple got you this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody's been telling me, no, 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 there's going to be something big. There's going to be something. And I, I kept saying... Surely not, because they just like their big reveal happened with the VR headset. Mm. Like that was their big thing that they've been working on for years. I was like, surely they don't have something, something else mega up their sleeve. No. And then everyone was buying into this design of the Apple logo and how it was multicolor like particles. And they're like, oh, what does this mean? It's going to be something huge. And I was like, oh, I just don't know. I just think it's just <laughs> graphic design, you know. <laughs> but, Anyway, but there was like a part of me that's like, oh, everybody's saying maybe it's something big. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it's big if if, if you like iPhones. But um, to me, I was just, I, I didn't even watch the full thing. I watched the supercut um, by The Verge just because it, Smart. It, the, you know, everybody afterwards was saying that was quite boring. <laughs> it was. So I'll, I'll tell you anyway, sorry, not to, not to dampen anybody's excitement <laughs> about the event. Again, as JJ says, don't click off the podcast. You'll regret it. Yep. You don't want to do that. <laughs> so what do they do, Hamish? They announced uh, Apple Watch Series 9. So as you might expect, they have a, a revolutionary new chip that's slightly better than last year's. <laughs> um, the all-new S9 chip. Mm. They have now double the screen brightness for <gasps> use outdoors. So so that's, that's quite handy. Um, one thing that's cool, I guess they're working... They're taking this tech that they had in the VR headset. You know how they were talking, you can tap your fingers together to click mm. on the headset. Um, they're now implementing that into the watch functionality as well. So I've got like a, I don't know, a couple of sensors which can detect muscle movement or, or blood pressure rising in, in, your arter, in your arterioles or whatever through your wrist when mm. you click. So they're using that to help, help you scroll through menus <clears throat> um, if yeah. you can't be bothered to just turn the dial or touch the screen. Yeah, yeah. You can just... I think they showed like a demo of someone turning off their alarm doing this. And I just thought that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Like I swear sometimes I, I put my phone in a different room so that I have to get up for my alarm. Yeah. And I swear sometimes I get up while I'm sleeping and turn it off and get back to bed. Doing this, of course you could easily... Too easy. It's too easy. That's ridiculous. Like what? Even having my phone next to my bed, I can't. I, I, just, I just snooze it. I have to put it in a different yeah. room. And then it forces me to get up and then I'm good. But yeah, that this seems wow. like the stupidest idea. Anyway, but for, for other features, I guess it's kind of cool. 
Yeah. Sorry. Excuse me. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that's that's the new Apple Watch Series Nine. They've also got the Series Nine Ultra, which is like the super outdoorsy, adventuring kind of watch. Um, Thirty six hours of charge, seventy two hours of charge in low power mode. Um, again, better brightness. They've got a customizable action button. If that means something to you, good good on them. Um, and then they released the the big one that everybody's so excited about the um, iPhone 15. Hamish, let let Woo-hoo. me tell you about it. Two thousand nits of brightness. There's a six point one inch iPhone 15 and wow. a six point seven inch iPhone 15 Plus. Amazing. They've got tougher glass on the front. Tougher glass. Which, uh, I actually like that because a lot of people still breaking their screens. Yeah. Um, a forty eight megapixel main camera. Better depth sensing to improve portrait mode. Um, the A16 Bionic chip, oh. a classic. Um, but I will say the big news, mm. as I'm sure you would have seen, is that iPhones now come with USB-C ports. Welcome Thank the Lord, to everyone. the 21st century. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Yeah. Oh, geez. The funny thing is well that's, done, that's probably the best thing that happened out of the entire event, and it wasn't even, like, their choice. Like, that was because the EU forced them to do it, basically, which yep. is kind of funny. Like, the best thing they've yep. done on the iPhone in, like, five years is something that the EU forced them to do. <laughs> you know what makes me so happy is that, of course, they have to be so bubbly during this display. Oh yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. trying to they're trying to sell phones. Yeah, yeah. they're selling they it like it's their idea. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, they yeah, exactly. They absolutely did not want to make that no. to put that USB C port in the iPhone. I mean, they they could have done it years and years and years ago, but they wanted to keep that whatever it's called Thunderbolt port. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just so beautiful watching them go. And now the big new thing, we've introduced exactly what you guys wanted. USB-C on an iPhone and just looking at them like internally they're all like crying they're like I really didn't want to have to say that and we are so excited by it because it's going to enable so many more functionalities for you (laughs) that we didn't want you to have because we wanted you to buy our cables yeah it's it's probably I'd love to see the number for how much they made on selling those those replacement cables that were always so flimsy they they broke so I don't even have that many Apple I don't have an iPhone but I have other Apple products yeah. and they break so easily. You have to order one like all the time. So I'd love to see that their sales are probably so gross on, on those cables. Yeah. And I hate the, the thing that gets me is that they're like, um, we're trying to reduce our impact to the environment. So now we no longer put the charging brick in with the, it's like, if you really care about the environment, everybody's got a million USB-C charging cables. So if you really care about the environment, don't make us buy another charging cable that only works with iPhones. Just let us charge off USB-C. If yeah. you really cared about the environment, just let us charge off USB-C. Yeah. No, no, no. We could never do that for like the last five years. No, no, no. Yeah. The way we're going to help the environment is by not including a charging brick. I don't <laughs> think you understand. <laughs> it's like yeah. far out. Anyway, we finally got them, everyone. A win for humanity. Everyone pat yeah. yourselves on the back. Yeah, Apple now them. has to put USB-C ports in their phones. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say, I think that, I mean, the EU is a bit hit or miss. I saw one uh, about a month ago. I think they just passed legislation to say that all phone, all smartphones by 2027 have to have a replaceable, a removable battery, which uh, oh. again is supposed to be an environmental kind of thing. So you can kind of um, recycle batteries mm. and that sort of thing. 
But um, I don't want to go back to phones. Like, do you remember? Did you ever have a phone where you could take the back off, and every time you dropped it, it yeah. would be like it would like break apart like Lego. <laughs> <You'd have> to, <laughs> like everything would fall apart. You're like picking up the pieces of your phone. I don't want to go yeah. back to that. <laughs> That's too far. I'd be like halfway through a through a message, and yeah. then I just drop my phone and yeah. take the battery out. And, oh shit! I got to do that again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, classic. Yeah, I don't know about that one, but um. Yeah, keep trying. Yeah, you. true. You're pushing in the right places. Just, just don't just. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair. 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 Yeah. Um, all right. So iPhone 15 starts at 799 US dollars, and iPhone 15 Plus from 899. <clears throat> and then we move to the iPhone 15 Pro, which has some interesting uh, form factor changes. So they now have a titanium body um, with their new glass, their ceramic shield display. Um, which actually is pretty interesting. They say it uh, makes it quite a bit lighter, um, which will be cool. I, I think the the finish just looks pretty nice as well. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's subjective. Um, again, 6.1-inch iPhone 15 Pro and then a 6.7-inch uh, iPhone 15 Pro Max. They've now changed the silence, the silent button into a customizable action button, which mm. uh, which I'm sure a lot of people will like. Um, they've got their uh, A17 Pro chip in in this one, um, which, as you might expect, is slightly better than the 16. <laughs> um, iPhone 15 Pro starts at 9.99, and iPhone 15 Pro Max starts at 11.99. So. Wowie. There you go. Um, yeah, honestly, not not that much going on apart from that. The big revelation was the was the USB C charge port. Um, the only other notable um, thing that I'll bring up is um, is machine learning, Hamish. Oh, what's that yeah. again? Um, it's not AI because they <laughs> didn't. Yeah, I don't think right. they mentioned they, AI. They don't, they don't at use all. the they don't use the word AI. Have you seen all about that? <laughs> Yeah, don't don't use those buzzwords. No, um, but it is. It, I tell you what, it is. It is machine learning. Mm. So, um, for your one thousand dollars, for your eleven ninety nine, um, I think it's worth it just just for machine learning alone. Yeah, I, I'm uh, excited. I don't even know what it is, but it sounds good. No, it's great. It sounds like something it, you want. Ta- it 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 enables your machine to um, actually learn. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of like the next level in um, in, in, in the tech. I can't, sorry, I can't say that word. In the technology, you know. Mm. You know, the thing. Uh, yeah. Artificial yeah. intelligence. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say that too loudly. Um, but yeah, so um, that, was a, that was a big part of their, 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 um, their presentation. And quite frankly, I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't want them to keep talking about me. It's such a buzzword. It's like, just tell us actually what you're doing. Anyway, mm. um, Apple stock fell 1.2 percent after the event, so I think a lot of people like me were were not that impressed. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, maybe that maybe their stock price will rise if they call it Apple Machine Learning Incorporated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. That is the uh, Apple Wonderlust event, everyone. There you go. And you're just so so thrilled, so excited. Thanks, Thanks Apple. Apple. Yeah. Great job once again. Good job, guys. Well I tell done. you what, hmm? I'm I'm on an Apple hating rampage today. Hmm. You know how I got my phone stolen when we're in um in the US. Yeah. Um, got convinced to replace it. I had a Pixel Seven. Yeah, Pixel Seven. I replaced it with a the newest iPhone. God damn, Big so mistake. bad. I Big much mistake. I much prefer my Pixel. 
Yeah. The iPhone yeah. just sucks. I tell you what's terrible. Like the one thing that I loved about my Pixel, I use swipe, right, to text. Mm. And every time I use swipe, the Pixel would just know. It would know what I'm trying to say. It would literally learn what I was trying to say. And it was flawless. Mm. I could make a bad mistake. And it just knew what I was trying to say. With Apple, it is horrendous. Yeah. It like autocorrects from what I'm trying to say into something that I'm not trying to say. It'll be something dumb. I'll just be like, hey, what time do you want to meet? And I might misspell the word meet and it'll autocorrect it to cabbage or something. (laughs) It's like, it's so... Yeah. Like, for all their rage about machine learning and it's the smartest iPhone ever, their autocorrect is terrible. It is terrible. It hasn't got a clue about the English language. It has no idea. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, if you've used a lot of Google's kind of AI products... Uh, and Apple's AI kind of products are like their auto auto correct sort of sort of thing, and and the Siri and the and Google Assistant. If you've used all both of these, it's it's kind of mind blowing how much further ahead Google is on some of these like AI. Yeah, Google's things. so much better. It, it, it just it just seems like it just learns so much better. The machine learns. It does. The machine actually learns. So. Oh wow, wow, we Hamish. Um. Anyway, that's that's my rant of the day. I all should right. stop before I before I burst a blood vessel in my brain or something. <laughs> All right, let's uh I got a couple of uh economic updates uh for the last couple of weeks because we missed obviously we didn't uh cover any economic news last week, so we've got kind of two right. weeks of news to kind of go through so and I'll I'll go through it relatively quickly. Um, so from Australia, uh, last week, the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, had their interest rate uh, decision and they decided to uh, once again hold the cash rate at 4.1%. So um, again, uh, deciding not to continue on the, the rate raising rampage um, and just mm-hmm. kind of see if inflation will just go continue to go down. Um, just see if it'll go away. Yeah, just hope that it'll go away. <laughs> no, but hopefully, the, hopefully the current interest rate levels are enough to to uh, work some magic and get inflation down. Um, uh, uh, Philip Lowe said uh, the high interest rates are working to establish a more sustainable balance between supply and demand in the economy, and will continue to do so. Inflation in Australia has peaked, uh, and the monthly CPI indicator for July showed a further decline. But inflation is still too high and will remain so for some time. He also said the labour market is still tight, but has eased somewhat, um, which is pretty much a copy and paste of what he said last month. Um, right. Yeah. I think he's stepping down, isn't he? He is. I think that was his last release, uh, I'm pretty sure. Right. Um, he gave his, uh, yeah, I don't think we really spoke about this, but there is a new, um, there's a new governor. Um, so every, uh, ooh, I want to say three or five years, uh, the current government, uh, I think it's five years, or maybe it's seven years. Actually, I don't know. Maybe you can look that up while I'm talking. But every uh, five <laughs> or seven years, um, the current government will uh, essentially elect a new um, central bank governor. Um, and it's time for, for Philip Lowe to say goodbye. He's been there for, well, however many years ago he was, he was elected. I think it's five years. Um, seven. Oh, seven. it is seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so it's not every election cycle. It's, it's kind of, um, fairly, um, infrequent. Um, but yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see. Cause yeah, the last seven years we've had Philip Lowe, um, doing his thing and now we'll get to see, uh, I, I, I'm blanking on her name. I was hoping it was going to come yeah, to I me while know. I was talking. Um, yeah, but um, sorry, she I was can't. the deputy. Uh, she was the deputy governor um, for the last couple. Michelle of years. Michelle so, Bullock. There you go. So, 
There you go. So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, not that anyone else around the world cares about Australian, the RBA governor, the central bank governor, but I no. think he, he's basically been pressured to resign because he's, I don't know, he said said some weird stuff about, oh, inflation's so high and we're raising interest rates and, like, Australians should just get another job or something like that. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> not – he's not good at speeches. He's not He's not good no. at, like, expressing why he's doing the things he's doing. I was pretty happy with how he handled the in, inflation crisis, and, um, but I think some people disagree with it. But it will be interesting to see if there is a change in direction, um, right. whether we will yeah. see rates come down maybe earlier than Philip Lowe would have done it. Um with, with a new governor, but who knows? Well, we, we'll, yeah. we'll just have to wait and see. So that's, that's um, Australia. What that's else Australia? is happening in the, uh, around the world? We also got US inflation data for August. Uh, so headline Ooh. inflation came in at 3.7% compared to 3.2% reported last month. So yeah. a slight increase. Hold up. But that's not going the right direction. No, not the right direction, but it is very low. Um, 3.7%, yeah. 3.2% is very low. Uh, the month over month change was uh, 0.6%. So that's pretty high. That's a, Pretty high month-over-month month rate. It's actually the highest in the mm. last 12 months. Um, but that's headline. And headline uh, inflation is uh, very cyclical and impacted by um, uh, energy and, and changes in energy and food, which can be quite volatile. Uh, core inflation was 4.3%, down from 4.7%. So continued on this kind of slow trajectory down. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, essentially kind of uh, headline inflation um the kind of the summary here is headline inflation, which already dropped below core inflation, is now kind of rising back up in as kind of cyclical kind of graphs do. Yep. Um, but core inflation is continuing to trend down slowly. Um, in terms of some of the key numbers, uh, gasoline was the biggest up contributor, up 10.5% in the month in 30 days. Um, so that is exactly why headline inflation is rising. Everything else was pretty normal. 0.2% for food, 0.3% for shelter, 0.2% for, for apparel, uh, and uh, 2% for transportation services. That was the highest one. Um, so, yeah, right, everything's okay. kind of okay. It's not too bad. Um, except uh, oil prices are still incredibly volatile, which is something that um, we're all quite familiar with over the past uh, couple which of years. That's why they get stripped out in core inflation. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting that core inflation was down. Yeah, so it's really just been That's this good slow, steady decline. Um, you know, a few decimal places, or like, uh, yeah, 0.3, 0.4 every kind of month. So hopefully it just continues yeah. like that. And then uh, we'll be back at um, target inflation, you know, in a couple of years. <laughs> I hope so. Fingers uh, crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. And uh, and then the last um, kind that would of- That be ideal. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the, just the, the last little bit of uh, economic news was around the UK, uh, we got uh, GDP data for July for the UK, uh, which uh, their economy actually shrunk by 0.5%, uh, which was actually significantly more than the 0.2% expected. And the main uh, reason for this uh, was their services output uh, was kind of the, the biggest um, drag. Uh, that specifically declined um, 0.5% um, uh, during the month. Uh, quarter over quarter, I think they still grew. Um, that from, so, so the second quarter GDP growth, which w- was reported about a month ago, uh, was a slight increase. Um, so they're not in recession yet. Um, but July's data is obviously relatively concerning because it is a very steep decline just for the month of July. Um, and it's, uh, maybe it's a once off month, but potentially it's, we're starting to see, uh, the strain that the UK is feeling from two things going on at the same time. 8% inflation, really high inflation still, 
and 5.25% interest rates, which are actually quite high. They have high interest rates, um, but inflation is still very, very strong. And both of those things at the same time is very difficult. Oh. Mm, yes, I don't like that. I don't like that at all, Hamish. Hmm. That is painful. That's yeah. a stagflation. Yep. Yep. That's exactly um, what it is. So that's it. That's the economic news. Um, all right. Yeah. I wanted to get through it quickly. I don't want to be too much of a. Yeah. Don't want to. Don't want to drag this. Uh, this podcast into negative territory. That's the thing. The economic news. I mean, it's important. As Guy Guy Spear told me, macroeconomic news is important from a macroeconomic perspective. Like for what we do with our investing, it's not that relevant. No, it's not. But in terms of understanding what's going on around the world and what's happening and causing the stock market to do X, Y, Z. It's, it is important from a certain perspective. It is dry and it is boring. I know we don't want to talk about inflation and interest rates and yada, yada, mm. but it is, it is important to at least um, kind of keep track of so that you just get, get that general context of what's happening in the economic world, um, which gives you better context while you're analyzing the individual businesses that you might be interested in investing in. Anyway, that's how I see it. Anyway, yeah. So I think, I think it is still important that we cover it on the podcast, but I think the way we do it is good where we don't, we don't really hammer on about it. Yeah. Um, just give a bit of a quick update. Anyway, you want to talk about Howard Schultz? Yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what's going on? So you've looked yeah, into he, Starbucks, haven't you? I have. And, yeah. So I know a bit about Howard Schultz. He's kind of the main guy that, um, he didn't found the original brand, but no, he, he's, he's not the, the founder. guy responsible for the Starbucks that you know today. Before him, Starbucks was a coffee bean shop. Actually, he was the, he was the first person to introduce the idea of, of selling espresso beverages, which is obviously, I think, yes. a little bit of what Starbucks does today. I think they sell coffee. Is that, yeah, I think they, I think maybe they make coffee. I'll, yeah. I'll have to on, check. On the side, I think, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, he's a big part <laughs> of the company. And then he left a few years ago. Um, part of, he was trying to run for president as well. This is um, back in uh, 2020, I believe, was when he went and yep. tried to run. Um, and, then, uh, and then someone else came in and then uh, he came back. And so what's happening now? Um, yeah, so former Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz is stepping down from the coffee chain's board, <gasps> the company said on Wednesday. So, yeah, you're exactly right. He was the chairman and chief executive of Starbucks from 1986 um, to 2000, and then also from 2008 to 2017, and then he was the interim CEO from 2022 until 2023. Right. <clears throat> Um, so, but he is now stepping down, and he is stepping down uh, from the board. Uh, he says, "I look forward to co- uh, to supporting this next generation of leaders to steward Starbucks into the future as a customer supporter and advocate in my role as Chairman Emeritus." Uh, Schultz said in a statement, "The company said the change was part of a planned transition, but Schultz, who's seventy, didn't provide a reason for his exit. Hmm. <clears throat> his third stint as." Starbucks chief executive ended in March as Laxman um, Nara Simon uh, stepped into the role. Schultz spent 11, spent 11 months back in the top job. Uh, during that time, he crafted a strategy to modernize the company's cafes, improve relations with its baristas, and fuel further sales growth. Um, he also spearheaded the launch of Starbucks Oleato, uh, a line of olive oil-infused beverages. So wow. there you go. But he is stepping down. 
Um, maybe it might be something to do with this. Uh, <laughs> some of Schultz's actions uh, unfortunately created new enemies. He took a more aggressive approach against baristas unionizing than Kevin Johnson, who took over as CEO after Schultz's second stint. Yeah. Uh, Starbucks workers united and allies such as Senator Bernie Sanders made billionaire Schultz the face of a Starbucks anti-union stance. It culminated in Schultz being grilled in front of a Senate committee over the company's alleged union busting uh, short after he stepped down as chief executive. Mm. Um, prior to his departure, Schultz told CNBC he has no intention of taking the reins as CEO again. <laughs> He's the guy, uh, he just can't go. get away from Starbucks. I forgot actually that he'd already left in 2000 and then he came back during the global financial crisis. I forgot that he, <laughs> and he did that. Yeah. He literally just can't get away from this company. How many times no. is that? Three, three times he's, uh, three times. he's tried. So we'll see. Maybe yeah. he'll be back. I mean, he's, he's getting on, I guess, so. Probably unlikely, yeah. but um, yeah, it sounds like he wants out now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, so. yeah. He's kind of like Bob Iger, I guess. Bob yeah. Iger is the other one that comes to mind. Like, <laughs> just can't get away. Disney can't work without him. Star- can Starbucks work without Howard Schultz? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, as Schultz departs the board, uh, Wee Zhang will take his seat. Zhang served as a senior advisor to Alibaba and president of Alibaba Pictures Group. Her experience with the Chinese e-commerce giant could aid Starbucks as it tries to help its Chinese business bounce back. China is Starbucks' second largest market, and some trends there, such as mobile ordering, have inspired changes to the company's US business. Right. So, there you go. Very interesting. See you later, Howard. We'll see you in a couple of years. Bye. Bye. Yeah, a couple of years. He'll be back. He'll be back. Yeah. yeah He'll sure. be back. One day. This, uh, yeah, I can't imagine. I don't know. Starbucks is, they're already such a, I can't remember exactly how many stores they have globally, but it's an enormous amount. Um, maybe it's like 30 or 40,000, I think. Um, so it's, it's uh, yeah, they've, they've, I think they're trying to grow in China because China is obviously an enormous market. And historically, China hasn't been a very big market for coffee. Um, it's uh, it's a, there's, the, the coffee consumption is, is very small compared to like the US, for example, and other Western countries. Um, but that seems to potentially be shifting. Um, so maybe there's growth there. But it is, uh, it's a company that's certainly had gone through, you know, 40, about 40 years of just enormous growth. <laughs> Like a McDonald's, mm. for example, or a Coca-Cola, yeah. just, a, just an outrageous uh, period of sustained growth. What was your guess before? How many stores? I said thirty or forty thousand. I don't know exactly oh. how many. Well, I mean, if you took the average, as of November twenty twenty two, thirty five thousand seven hundred eleven stores. Yeah. Okay. In how many countries? Oh, I don't know. A lot. <laughs> a lot of countries. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to guess. I don't know. It'd be like 60 It's between zero and 100. 60? Five? 80. Close. Uh, oh, that was what I was going to say first, but then I wasn't actually sure uh, if it was that sure high. That's, that's a crazy amount of countries. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Anyway. Well done, Howard. You've done a great job with Starbucks. Good job. Um, not so well politically. No, um, no. All the best. No, he didn't really. He did, <laughs> I think he did like a couple of town halls or something. I remember, and just no one, no, no, no results in the polls. Um, no. Unfortunately. Ah well. Next yeah. time, Howard. Next yeah. time. There's another election coming up. At yeah, some point. there is. There is. Yeah. Mm. Maybe you can sneak in. All right, Hamish. Let's do some Q and A. Yeah, let's do it. Um, what have we got? We've got. Uh, we've actually got a solid ten minutes to talk about to talk through some Q and A questions. So, all right. Um, oh, did we delete the ones that we did a couple of weeks uh, ago? I, I think we did. I think so. Yeah, 
Yeah. Fingers crossed. All right. Pick pick a question, any old question. Oh, and before we do that, as a reminder, if you have a Q&A question, feel free to drop it in the Spotify question box, or you can go over to the most recent version of the podcast over on YouTube and drop a question in the comments. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want me to, I'll ask this to you. Um, do it. Have you had any periods of underperformance? How did you cope? And did you think at any point that you were underperforming because you made subpar investments? Interesting question. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I have uh, my portfolio is a bit of a weird one because I've had, I've been very fortunate that one of my earliest investments is a 10 bagger. So if you look at the whole picture of it, my portfolio hasn't really underperformed. I've definitely had underperformance in businesses Hmm. um, that are in there. And yeah, that that's um, that is sometimes. I mean, it, it elicits an emotional response, right? You're like, "Oh, have I made the wrong decision?" You know, mm. um, and I think it always comes back to how well you understand the business. So yeah. you either you get, I mean, naturally, even if you understand the business very well, there's always a little flutter of, "Oh, have I made the wrong decision?" I mean, it's normal. It's normal. Yeah. You're down you're down on paper and you have that little butterfly in the stomach going, have I missed something? Yeah. Um, but I think the main thing, if you're going through a period of underperformance or maybe just a business that isn't performing, just really go back and think about why and just revisit where you think the business will be in the long run, whether they're still growing, um, if they're going through a rough patch. Remember that Big institutional investors, if they if a business is going to go through a rough patch over a couple of years, they can't hold on. They're just going to sell and just move yep. on. They'll come back to it later because they're short term focus, and that they're the people that move the market. But you know, quite quite commonly, I mean, Meta is a great example. They they were going through a period of underperformance, and all of the big people, all the big investors, they just left. Yeah. If you took a step back and said, "Is it Meta still going to be more valuable in ten years?" You'd probably say yes. Forgetting about the metaverse, just looking at the advertising business. They're still going to be an ads business in 10 years from now. Will they be making more money in, from their ads business? Probably. Yeah. So I think it's about going back to that thesis, not necessarily getting too concerned about what's going on with the stock price, but making sure the actual financial health of the company is sound and that the growth is sound mm. and revisit your thesis. Are they still on track for what you originally thought they would do? Yeah. I don't think there's too much I can really add um, with that. I think, yeah, I think if you understand what you know, uh, what you're invested in, then, uh, you know, it's you know that it's going to be the case sometimes that the market isn't going to, uh, you know, appreciate the value, the long-term value that that that, that you think there there is in a company. Um, and yeah. you just have to know what you invest in. If you own a good piece of property in, near a business center in a country that's or an area that their population is going up and you're planning on holding that over the very long term it's very likely going to be a very desired piece of property over time you wouldn't care if someone came and knocked on your door every day and offered to buy it off you for a price that you wouldn't be willing to sell it for (laughs) um you would just you would just kind of ignore them um and that's like that's the you know double-edged sword of the stock market is you get this live updated price um, yeah, but as a value investor, you have to understand that, um, that's just what people are willing to pay today. And if you have a long-term perspective, you know, p- other people, people have different objectives. Like you were talking about, most fund managers have quite short-term objectives. So, uh, their desire to, to buy and sell 
businesses and at certain prices is often very different from from you who might be willing to just stick your money in something and own it for a decade or, or even more. Very good. Okay, let me ask you this one. As Australian investors, do you consider the Australian dollar to the US dollar exchange rate much in your investment timing decisions? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, not in timing, um, really at all. I think uh, I, I kind of put exchange rates in the important but unknowable pile. Like it definitely makes mm-hmm. a difference in your returns over time. If you look back over 10 or 20 years after you've been investing for a little while, for example, um, exchange rates might play a pretty significant role in your outcome, positively or negatively. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think there's any mechanism or, or, or research you could do to know which way it's going to go. So yep. um, you've just kind of got to prepare yourself with that in mind. And one of the ways you can do that is if you know you're going to be investing in both US and Australian companies, hold both currencies. So you're kind of hedged yep. essentially, like you just own a bit of both. So if the Australian dollar goes up, your Australian cash goes up, but your US goes down and, and vice versa. You're not too you know exposed to one or the other. Although you know, the reality is, you know, we're, we're Australian. So you're probably earning your income in Australian dollars and you're probably going to be a bit more mm. exposed to the Australian dollar. That's just kind of the, kind of the nature of it. But those, you can kind of think about, yeah, di- diversifying where your money is to, to, to support that. But uh, it certainly isn't, I don't think about it in terms of timing. I don't wait on an investment because I'm hoping that rates will get a bit better for me or, 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 or the other way. It's, that's just, it's just, um, yeah, important, but unknowable, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree. I just keep some money in Australian dollars and some in US dollars. And you're right, because we generate income in Australian dollars. I'm not trying to time anything, but you know, if I see that I've got a good exchange rate at the time, I will just chuck some more money across um, into the US brokerage account and go from there. Um, because yeah. obviously, you know, as I earn more, I'll have more savings to, to invest. So you know, just got to take advantage of the good times as, as they show up. But overall, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think you should get too hung up on it. I mean, especially two relatively stable currencies in the grand scheme of things like the Australian dollar and the US dollar, they've kind of, while there are definitely fluctuations, um, they always kind of, you know, Australian dollar, 60, 70 US cents, yeah. Um, that kind of range, 80 US cents sometimes, very, like very rarely it'll kind of go out of those bounds. But yeah, um, yeah. so I, I think you just have to kind of just treat it as such. You know, if you get given a good opportunity to chuck some money over into the US, then I'd take advantage. But otherwise, don't yeah. really think about it too much. Just trust that over the long term, you know, it'll probably just even itself out. Yeah. 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 Um, um, okay, cool. How are we doing for time? Yeah, we're doing well. We can do another one if you do like. One more. Um, yeah. All right, you want me to read this one to you? Or? Sure. Yeah, go for it. Um, all right. Can you explain the time value of money? Uh, the dollar has lost 30% of its value since 2008. Uh, so Barbie did not beat the Dark Knight in terms of value. Okay, this question must have been from mm. a couple of weeks ago when we are talking about the box yeah. office figures. Uh, do you think anal- uh, analysis of uh, uh, Do you think the analysis of outpacing inflation could also be a good measurement to recognize a weakening business? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And yeah, you're totally right. You can look at those historical figures of box office and and I guess we should be looking at inflation adjusted figures because yeah. if we just look at the, yeah, you're exactly right. If we just look at the total um, total box office revenue, then yeah, you're right. We're, we're talking about a, uh, whenever 
when was it? Two th- was it two thousand eight that the Dark Knight came out? Yeah, the, obviously, that, yeah. the dollar was worth more, and now it's worth less. So, yeah, exactly right. So, yeah. technically speaking, inflation adjusted. Maybe Barbie hasn't surpassed the Dark Knight. So, you're exactly right. There is a time value to money. You'd, you you would rather have a dollar now because you can put that dollar to work and and start turning it into more than a dollar than receiving a dollar in ten years from now because you've missed out on that those ten years where you mm. can use that one dollar and try and turn it into more. So you're definitely yeah. right. That that is the principle of the time value of money. So if you're ever asked, you know, would you rather a hundred dollars today or a hundred dollars in ten years from now, you're you'd always say, I'll take a hundred dollars today. Yeah. Because you can get that money working. Um, and you're right, inflation works against you. Um, inflation is making your savings in the bank worth a little bit less every single year. Um, yeah. Of course, you know, 100 grand is still 100 grand, but it buys you less as yeah. um, the prices of stuff goes up. Um, and do you think this analysis of outpacing inflation could also be a good measurement to recognize a weakening business? Yeah. So, um, businesses with really strong moats, I was actually talking to a guy about this, um, they are usually able to pass on increased costs to the end customer and suffer no ill effects. So what you'll normally find in an inflationary environment is that the best businesses in the world don't really suffer because they are like Coca-Cola, for example, inflation has hit hard over the last couple of years. They raise their prices. Have they sold less cans of Coke because they've had to raise their prices? No, they've sold more. The stats say they're selling more and more product every year despite raising their prices. So you'd say, okay, Coca-Cola probably has some sort of competitive advantage. But you're exactly right. If a company gets absolutely killed by inflation, tries to raise prices, loses a whole bunch of customers, um, you're probably right. That's probably a weakening business. They probably don't have a moat. So that's another interesting way to think about things, I think. Yeah. I mean, inflation is kind of the perfect test for for moats because what what's a moat? Moat is the business sells something essentially or has some kind of characteristic that makes it unique. Uh, and, and that customers are going to, well, in, in a lot of cases, it's, you know, what's going to keep customers coming back to this specific business. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. super important in an inflation environment where costs are going up for businesses. They have to raise prices. And if they try and raise prices and they don't have anything unique, the guy next door sells the same thing for cheaper, they can't raise their prices. Their margins just go mm-hmm. down. They just they try yeah. and sell at the same price because they can't raise. Because if they raise, they'll go next door and buy it cheaper from, from that guy. But their costs are going up anyway. So you really can see the businesses that don't have moats during inflation crises because their margins just get obliterated. And even good companies will often see their their margins get hurt um, just because it depends on the nature of the business, I guess. Um, and, you know, uh, there's a really good article actually from um, Buffett. I think it was in the 80s about um, – it's titled uh, "Equities Swindles Everybody." I think it's titled or something like that. And yeah. It talks about moats and 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 um, basically inflation crises. It's a really good article, but it also talks about how like yeah, really good businesses will be much more protected, um, but will still be kind of uh, can in some cases be kind of affected by um, the, the the kind of the rising costs. But yeah, it's a mm. yeah s- certainly I think uh, situations like this are a good case study for looking at businesses and seeing oh. They were they once were strong. What happened to them? Why why are they suddenly so much weaker? And it's yeah, it's uh, they don't they don't have a moat. They don't have anything drawing customers back in. Yep. How inflation swindles the equity investor. That's the one. It's the, name of the article. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Very good. All right. And with that said. Hamish, we better get out of here, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks very much for joining me, as always. That was a good podcast. Works, Man, yeah. the flow was on today. Yeah. We were bouncing. Yeah, Maybe it was good. to do with this 
caffeinated beverage that I've been <laughs> sipping on over the last hour. Uh, but anyway, thanks guys very much for tuning in. Um, we, we very much appreciate the questions and you guys uh, tuning in each and every week. Keep sending in the questions. We love hearing from you guys. We love hearing uh, what you're thinking of the podcast, um, what bits you like, what bits you don't like. Um, keep it all coming in. And thanks very much for tuning in. And with that said, we will see you guys next week. See you guys. <laughs> yes, we shall. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>